Happy Saturday, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode from the Crow's Nest. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me, as always, is Thomas Ware III and Dr. Kevin Crow. Lots of things going on this week, of course. The Democrats debated. Okay, so riddle me this. How do you get more candidates in a in a debate than the last time aren't we supposed to be whittling this down yeah, supposedly but i guess the uh, multiplication and off, what maybe. did w- tulsi gabbard how how did you get back in there like didn't we well, boot I, you after the I last think they, one they do have a formula for doing this and they have to reach either a certain percentage or how much money they've raised so i guess more of them made that than the last time and it's it's and they have they also have this thing like from unique donors so they yeah. also have. I guess that's why. Like, remember the way that Hillary won the last time was they had their super delegates anyway. So uh, I'm still we've, mad we've about all, that. And, and, and we've we've talked about this before. Both the Democrat and Republican pro- parties are private entities that come up with their, you know, they have their own little rules and stuff. So yeah, and I think too, like with the DNC, I mean, they've been so pro Biden until now, yes. and now they're kind of moving to pro Warren a little bit. Well, you know, and this is another thing that should be a nightmare. He was once a Republican, now he would just be as much a Democrat. But I don't know if you've, I, I still say there's time, there's not much time left for somebody to come in. Well, let me rephrase that. They'll say, well, if somebody's got to come in, they got to come in pretty soon because in November, to get on like Alabama, you have, but you don't need Alabama to win the Democratic primary. But nevertheless, there's another way, too, that one could come in uh, late, and that is just try something at the, uh, at the convention. So the convention is the one that I always think of with Hillary or somebody like that. But what I was going to say was when we said that Biden is you know, going down on the DNC, kind of, you know, falling down there. Um, another person who's brought this up, who was a Republican, obviously, never a Republican in, in his policies, but um, when he held office, is Bloomberg has thrown this out and hinted. And I'm not predicting he would be the DNC's choice. I'm not predicting he'll even run. But that would be a kind of person that they would go with, the policies. Yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with Tom Steyer. I mean, I like Tom Steyer as far as being an activist. I mean, you're an activist. I get that. You know, stand yeah. up for what you believe in. Put your money where your mouth is, all that kind of stuff. But I just don't I don't think that he's going to win it. And, you know, Bernie, a, a lot of people were um, kind of – Bernie saw his support kind of – uh, drop off a little bit because of his heart attack and everything. But now um, Ilhan Omar is endorsing him. AOC's endorsing him. So he's getting, and, and you know, Elizabeth Warren wanted those endorsements. So we're already kind of starting to see You know, ironically, out. that may end up he- helping Warren to a degree. Um, because of the, because of the, uh, social, or because well, of the democratic socialism. That's right. right. Because here's the thing. She and, of course, Bernie have been fighting for that same wing. Well, the thing is, since, since um, you know, AOC and some of the other ones had, have, have um, endorsed, endorsed um, Sanders, well, now what we can see is that she could kind of play the field and kind of flirt with both sides to a degree. 
You know, I um, was I was kind of shocked that they went after her like they did. Not shocked, shocked, but you know, I, I kind of figured they would have thought Bernie more of a threat. No, I think I, I think after the heart attack, they they see her more as a threat. And again, as, as we see, he didn't he didn't perform badly for a person that has had a heart attack. So oh I think no. He's, so but but I think in their minds, not knowing that you don't know that you know you prepare for the debate, and I think they were prepared to go after her, thinking he's out. Yeah, and and here's the thing too, and this is what I'll say about Bernie Sanders' heart attack. Anybody can have a heart attack at any age. Mm-hmm. Anybody can fall ill and die at any age. Well, and we we mentioned this, and I'll give both sides of the story. But on on the one side, this isn't like a heart attack in the 1970s. You know, you had a heart attack in 1970s. Well, two, you're dead. Um, there has been a lot of breakthroughs. Now, on the other side. The coin, I think, I go back to always when Songus was running. And, of course, now his was cancer and not a heart attack. He said, no, no, I'm healthy, I'm healthy. And then, sure enough, of course, he didn't get the nomination. But then, sure enough, within about two years later, he was dead. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at this. Yeah, I just, um, it's like I said, it's it's becoming a little bit clearer to me now. Uh, but I'm but I'm still going to wait. I, I don't um, I don't support Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, well, she's not going to get it. No, she's not going to get it. Joaquin Castro's not going to get it. Cory Booker's no. not going to get it. Um, Kamala Harris is not going to no. get it. Uh, even though they're trying to to put her Buttigieg, ooh, it's uh, it's now, it's a long shot I for think, Buttigieg. I think that's who the DNC will back. Buttigieg. Yeah, I don't think you'll get it, but I think that's where the I think that's where the that's where the money's going to go. I think I think that's their hope now. Yeah, and and Amy Klobuchar, you know, they they said, you know, she was really tough and everything, but you know, I just I don't think that she's I don't think that she's going to get it either. I I think it's either it's going to be Warren Sanders or Biden. I think I think it's going to be one of those three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think don't, you're right. Yeah, I don't really unless somebody comes in or unless there's some shenanigans at the at the convention. I don't really know who that would. be. Though, yeah, but, but then again, but then again, there were shenanigans at the last convention because Bernie Sanders, Bernie right. Sanders won. If right. we have to go with votes, Bernie yeah, but, Sanders won. But, but even the is, Oklahoma delegates, it is didn't getting to be more. If there is something different, it is going to be more of a convention one than somebody jumping in late because that time, it, you know, they're running out of time now. But I do think if not, if nobody else is coming in, I can see the money from the DNC types going to Buttigieg. Huh. Interesting. I just, I just think it's a real and, long and shot for him night, this time. If you notice, one of the things that he did is, is he, again, he took almost he took the kind of neocon position when it came to, to Syria. And now, so that and that's a move for him. I mean, that that's definitely a a move. And that is a great segue into my next thing that I was going to ask you, which is, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but the troop withdrawal in Syria. Now Erdogan's saying, you know what, I'm don't, I'm not held to anything the United States asked. Mike Pence is over there right now. Uh, Mike Pompeo's over there right now, trying to get them to ceasefire, and he's like, basically flipping them the bird and saying, I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to cease. And so, what does where? I mean, and I get, you know, we don't need to police the entire world, but don't we still have a responsibility to take care of our allies? Well, you got to remember, the ones that he's going after right now, the Kurds, while they helped us, you know, with this, they were never pro-American, remember, either, too. This is the one, they they were anti-ISIS, but this is, again, more of the radical group. 
the Kurds that were on our side are the ones more in Iraq, northern Iraq. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. I'm still going to stick with Trump on this, not for the reason he is, but, but I'll, I'll mention this. I'm still going to stick with him on this because, again, we don't need to be over there. But I think there's another side to this. There is going to be a... The Turks have stepped into this, and here's what I mean. I think what happens is if they keep pushing further, we don't have to get into this. You forget the Russians have a trip have a tripwire. The Russians, remember, are still the ones backing um, Assad. Yeah, they're backing Syria so right now. And so what very well could happen is is the Russians and the Turks get into it. Now that might be dangerous because of the NATO. But the thing is, we don't have to be the ones that stop the Turks. Um, this is this is a quagmire. This is a mess. Don't get drawn in in on it. There there is there is already. There is already um, natural counters in, in, in play that we don't have to be a part of. But, and I'll ask you this, don't you think that Putin's consolidating his power over there in Europe and in that region? The Russians are not in good shape worldwide anyway. They're not one of the threats that I foresee being... They're troublesome in the sense of being a wounded bear, but as actually having the power, there's so many other people that have more power than they do. Remember, here's the thing. Nigeria has a larger population than Russia. Russia is, is like Mexico with nukes. I mean, the Russian economy is, if you, if you look at where it is worldwide, it is not in good condition. It's not one of your top economies in the world. Um, the Russians aren't as capable of doing as much as people think they can. Now, they have nukes, but, but when we get to anything else, uh, you know, and people don't like the Russians either. Um, I, I, think, I think the Russians will do well to hold on to the part of the Ukraine they have already. I mean, they, the wherewithal of carrying out a long campaign anywhere, the Russians just don't have the wherewithal to do it. Well, and I, I understand that from a, um, I guess, from an economic point of view. I mean, if we're going to really be afraid of somebody economically, we got to be afraid of China. Oh, I'm even saying militarily. The Russians don't have the logistics. Their military doesn't have the logistics to keep up something. Let's talk about, um, let's switch gears a little bit here, and let's talk about LeBron James. Because I really want to know kind of what you think about not just not just LeBron, but just anybody. I mean, this all started with the Houston Rockets coach. Um, GM. Or, I'm sorry, GM. Uh, supporting uh, Hong Kong's independence, right? Isn't that what, isn't that the, I'm looking at you. Yeah, it's it was basically, he uh, he tweeted support for the protesters in Hong Kong. Um you know that they want their they want their freedom and it's uh it's backfired because China makes up roughly 10% of the NBA's revenue right now and it could be the it could and it it's growing okay yeah. so the thing is this shows you the power of money money doesn't speak money shouts but it all shows you shows you the greed corporate greed is not just a cancer on the right, it's a cancer on the right, it's a cancer on the left, it's a cancer on a lot of stuff in this country. Okay, so China put out this statement that said that they have more NBA fans in Hong Kong than they do in the entire population of the United States. 
I could see that because there's so many Chinese people. But however, well, I, the I larger... think if, if if people like LeBron James keeps mouthing off the way he does, he's going to have a lot more. They're going to they're going to have more fans almost anywhere than they do in the U.S. Because... Uh, well, but here, but no, because I I think that there are a lot of people who support LeBron James. But however, I mean, he, he on was on the news. He was uh, well. He oh, was there on are the news. there are no, people there that are. are supporting him because there are. the thing is that. The people that do support LeBron James for his standing up against, a, you know, police police brutality and things yeah, yeah, like that, talking, you know, the social about, justice stuff. Yeah, but, but but see, they're looking at it from both sides and saying, "Hey, China, China's not doing anything to our black people over here. This is stuff that that America's doing. You know, LeBron is is making money, and by all accounts, he's putting money back into." The hood back into, but the, we can the see what the Chinese are doing elsewhere. I mean, you can see how many millions of of of, of their own minorities they put away and everything. Well, yeah, but I, mean, I he's, think he's on the losing side morally on this argument. Well, you know, we're not talking about his other argument, but on this one, he's definitely on the. I'm just talking about economically. Yeah. I'm just talking about economically, and I mean China being making up so much of the NBA market and revenue. Oh and, yeah, well, and it's, what, it's, not... what we, it's what we've said. That's what I'm saying. Money doesn't speak. It shouts again. The Chinese did not have the capability to hit us with nuclear weapons until Clinton gave them that capability. And what happened is, is when the company Laurel wanted, you know, wanted to make those those technology transfers when Clinton was president, the State Department said no. The Defense Department said no, and then the Commerce Department, which you know Laurel can spread its spread its money around, said yes, and Clinton went ahead and said yes. Like I said, money doesn't talk; it shouts. And then we can do this. I, so I picked on a Democrat president. We'll pick on a Republican president too. You know, your first foreign policy crisis with with George Bush the um, second, George W. Bush, was not nine eleven. His first foreign policy crisis is when the Chinese rammed one of our spy planes that was in, well in international airspace, forced it to land, and he cowed to him. He didn't get it back. Him. He didn't and get so it back. so that's what yeah. we're saying. And so I put LeBron James, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton all in the same thing and that they're bought and paid for, and they're corrupt, all three of them. Well, if, you, if, you put, if you're putting profits ahead of your country's, uh, 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 literally of your country's well-being... I have no use for any one of the three. I don't even think that it's like that with LeBron James. I think that I think that well, he's he, greedy. He gets the money too. You remember he gets if if you look at like you know I'm sure if we're, if we're looking at, at how much they get for their for their little endorsements of this shoe or that shoe or whatever he's going to make this much more in China. He's on the take. It's like I said, corporate greed is not a conservative problem. It's not a liberal problem. This is a problem just of of greed. People on the left, people on the right, they they can all suffer from it. Well, but but my point is, I don't think that I don't think that I don't think that either ne- neither him nor the Houston Rockets GM really thought through any of the, their comments. I think that it was just something that was said on the spur of the moment thought, because the I NBA they, went over there because they were doing all of their preseason exhibition, and I feel no, like I, I think they thought through their pocketbook. I think that's all that they. Well, looked no, at. I don't think that but they were is, thinking at all when they first. When this they is first something said that we it? talked about before, though, is how there's no morality in business. That's right. And that's what we're built on. We're built on capitalism. 
That's what that's what this whole American dream is. That's what the whole idea is. Everybody make as much money as you can, regardless of how many people you step on on the way up. That's what America is built on. It's not built on the freedom of anybody. Like Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves because it was a political move, not because he felt like black people were on the same level as him. And, and at one time there were, you know, you can have capitalism if you have restraint. Capitalism itself is amoral. It's completely amoral. I mean, it is the market. But once upon a time, people also had other restraints, whether it's patriotism, whether it's your neighbors, whatever. Whether it was on your, your own morality. That's it. That's it. It's own, and that's gone. And so now it's just straight, um, it, it's just straight bottom line. Well, and so today I saw LeBron Corporations on the, are people too. <sighs> and corporations today, don't have to have morals, so. That's true. They don't have a heart either. But, um, but you know, so today LeBron's sitting there and he's saying, well, you know, if people aren't educated on the issues, people shouldn't talk about it. And you know what? I think that that is a great... I think that's a great stance, oh, yeah, especially, but, but especially if is. you're someone like him in in the public eye. Because because here's the thing, too, and this is why I say it wasn't thought through, is because, you know, it's like I said, I feel like they were just kind of caught up in the moment, being in China, you know, and, and I'm sure it is an exciting thing. I mean, that is a large part of their market. That is, you know, they, they sell a lot of stuff. Hell, they probably make all that stuff in China. But, you know, again, I'm just going back to, hey, you need to educate yourself on the real politics and on the real issues, especially if you're a really high-profile somebody. Yes. Because if if you just make some kind of flippant remark, again, it, it not, can set off a lot of things that to, you're not prepared and to for. Find out what, if, to find out China's record, to find out what China's doing, this is an easy thing to educate oneself. It's not trying to figure out, gee, I wonder what the policy of Botswana is. I mean, that might be a little harder. <laughs> China's easy. In other words... LeBron James is purposely ignorant on this if he if he is ignorant. I think he knows what's going on. I think it's pure greed. You're talking about the difference between a celebrity or somebody who's out there just to make money and other people who are supposed to be doing what's right for the country, though. And I think that's two distinctly different things. If you're running the government and you're completely ignoring no, I put, I put them both in the same category on this. Here's why. I think LeBron James and sports and, and some celebrities like this sometimes have more influence even more than political people do on the uh, you know when it comes to the public. So on that one I'll still put him on it. I mean I mean it's But he's not a commander in the military. He has he's no not, say in any kind yeah, of policy. Yeah, he has no say in any kind of policy or anything. He's but not he he's not opinion. you know leading somebody. But he does in public opinion. Yeah, but but here again, I mean, let's 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 look at Trump in this. I mean, Trump's all up with the Chinese. I mean, he gets all of his stuff made there. His daughter's gotten patents and everything since he's been in office over there. He's with the government. He holds the president of the United States. He holds that office, and he's but, still he's still profiting but off of off of the Chinese but he, and the but government. He still calls them to account when they're wrong. He still sticks. He still drives them a harder bargain on the. Um, when it comes to the negotiations, what I'm saying is, I don't mind people. I don't mind people making money off the Chinese. I mind people taking the side of the Chinese in some of these morally reprehensible, um, you know, actions. That's where the problem comes in. I don't. And again, I don't think that they were trying. I don't. I just don't think it was thought through. I think it's all a PR flub, me personally, because I feel like it is a flub. I'll agree with that. I'll agree. I, you know, but, I just. I feel like it just wasn't is, thought. I feel like when, the initial stuff wasn't thought. And people, but when people it is, look and it at started. the same way. Morally yep. reprehensive. You know this this stuff that 
it's bothering your morals, but people are looking the same way as Syria. And that's what, I mean, it's the same thing that America's done. We don't, it, there's there's no morals. America, America cannot be, take the moral high ground in almost any On position. Anything. I mean, that's just, that's just where it's at because we as a society have put money above everything else. That's that's what we've done as a society, as a government. I mean, we've made our churches rich. That's one thing that we've done in this country is well, we've we've in Syria we did get we did get rid of ISIS. I mean, that's something we did do. That that here's the thing: we may have left now with the Kurds coming into Turkey, but they would have been wiped out by ISIS had we not been there in the first place. So, what do you think that there's going to be a resurgence of ISIS over there? I mean, there may be. There may be, but like I said, we can't stay there forever. We can handle that when it comes. It's the same thing, like I said, that I've mentioned before. Think of how long, now we're switching geographic locations, but think of how long we've been in Afghanistan. Should we have taken out bin Laden? Yes. Did we have to take out the Taliban to to go after bin Laden? Maybe. Do we have to occupy it for 18 years? No. (laughs) Does that make sense? In other words, there's never perfection. But there are certainly better policies and worse policies. So if there's, if, if, why are, if we've, okay, here's one of the things that I don't understand. Why, why Syria? I mean, we're, we're still in Afghanistan. We're still, we're still, I mean, we're still, that's right. Let me go on to this. Occupying a lot of places. So why not pull out of all those other places? Let me go on to this. First of all, remember, and let's be, Trump didn't put us into Syria. That's one thing. He didn't put us in any of these. But you're asking why pull out of Syria? Here's why. First of all, Syria, you're only talking about hundreds of American troops that were there as a tripwire. You can pull, and, and you so logistically, you can pull out. Afghanistan, as the Russians found out, now that you have lots in there to pull people out of each one of these bases, these can be ambushed on the way out. Logistically, it's harder. He has done well about pulling out of Syria, Afghanistan as, as quickly as possible, but it's, but, it's, it, but it's easier to pull out of Syria logistically than it is the other places. There's just not as many people there. And, and literally, you can get them out quicker, too. It's just, it's all a cluster shag to me. Because I don't feel it, it's it's like there's just a lot of moving parts, and I don't feel like the United States government. And again, I'm Indian, so I have an inherent mistrust of the federal government. But they're not telling us everything. They're not letting us really understand what's going on. And there's all these different moving parts. Okay, so what do you think about the shadow policy in in the Ukraine and and all of that other stuff? That's that's all of the. Um, testimonies that are going on the testimony that's going on on capitol hill right now um regarding the impeachment stuff it seems like i don't think that he's going to get removed from office but i do think that our vice president and our defense department and everybody else don't you feel like they have a duty to share what they know rather than stonewalling and putting us into a constitutional crisis the same token should be though the democrats should allow Trump's lawyers to also cross-examine people. In other words, they're not open either. Neither one, neither side is. Here's a warning I'll give both sides, though. Here's a warning that I'm going to give both the Democrats, the Republicans. By the way, I hate saying the Democrats are Republicans. I'll say Trump supporters and Trump detractors, because as we know, there's a lot of Republicans that don't care for Trump, and vice versa on this. But having said that, here's the thing that 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 people should watch. 
be careful relying either way on anybody in the Ukraine as saying, see, that's what they said. Because the thing is, once, you know, once you're dealing with the Ukraine in general, you're dealing with a system that's fairly corrupt. I didn't say all Ukrainians are bad. I didn't say all Ukrainians were corrupt. What I'm saying is the system's corrupt. It's what's left over. It's, it's, a, it's a post-Soviet system. So it's, so it's, a, it's a political system where you know, people that are in there at least have old Soviet ties. Again, that means probably old mafia ties, things of this nature. So you never know who to trust in the Ukraine. I believe Ukraine about as much as I believe anything that comes out of the White House. Really? Okay, so let's talk about Giuliani. Giuliani's got these got two of his got two of his clients that are behind bars for all of this. And I mean Nobody he's obviously him. he's here's obviously he's obviously involved. And here's so the thing. Why, well, we have, here's the thing. Why is why here's the is thing everybody we have Juli- just well, and, 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 making this whole up the reasons why way. he why he can't be held here's accountable? The thing. You have Giuliani, <laughs> you have Schiff. The thing that both of them have in common, you know. You can look at the political, you know, the states they come out of, the the games that are played, the rules that are played um, with, with with their backgrounds, and they're both similar. What am I trying to say? Um, it's a similar political background with these two. In other words, if you look at Giuliani, uh, you know, he's a New York City politician. New York City has its own set of rules. Uh, you remember, he, of course, he took down the mafia. To take down the mafia also means you get your hands dirty and stuff. And so I would be careful if I were Trump relying too much on Giuliani. And finally, everybody's bailing on Giuliani. That's that's no, really... Again, I, I'm not saying Giuliani's wrong. I'm not saying that things Giuliani has said yeah, is but... true. What I'm saying is, and, and I think he has uncovered stuff, but the thing is... Giuliani might be able to find stuff that other people can't, but you also have to take the baggage of how is Giuliani going to get that? Does that make sense? Well, a- and here's another thing too. Adam Schiff is an elected is is an elected official. Rudy Giuliani at this point is is somebody's private attorney. So he and and especially what I'm having to what learning in all these but again, books I'm having to read is. Attorneys are supposed to now, and I know this sounds crazy, and I, I'm just going to say it, but attorneys are supposed to have some kind of ethics, some kind of morals. There, I know, right? I knew but, you were going to crack up at that. They're supposed to tell token, the truth, too. By right? the same token, by the at same least token, cooperate by the way, this is, and, and again, with the law enforcement. I've, I've, made my, I've made my stance clear of where I feel standing stand, stand next to Giuliani. That's a dangerous <laughs> game. But having said that, like you said, on the other hand, lawyers have a little more leeway Politicians have more rules they have to go by. So the question on that one is, is you know, which one's kind of shaving more off of what they're able to do uh, you know, when it becomes how dirty? And I would say Schiff is in a little bit more dicey grounds here. I wouldn't because here's the, here's the thing. Giuliani, he, as somebody who was a politician, as someone who was an elected official himself, how dare him corrupt this system by, by not by not cooperating with law enforcement, especially Congress, especially any other elected body. He has a responsibility as an American citizen, as we all do, when we are called to give truthful information to Congress. I would get arrested for lying to the Chickasha law enforcement. And and not to mention if I refused the district attorney's subpoena, 
they they'd be all over me. But because it's these mob mob tied attorneys who who are who are connected to the highest office in the United States, they get a free pass as well to, as well as children. You know those loopholes, right? Yeah, and it's just it's the alarming to me. It's alarming to me that the people who are who occupy these highest offices and these people who are um, advising these top people, they're. I mean, they're not even they're not even participating in the system enough to even set an example for the American people, because because it's like anybody in this room who refuses to to answer a subpoena, we're going to jail. But as we've said, the Democrats are not being open completely with the whole with the with the whole proceedings. In other words, they're closing out Republicans on this as well. So it's going to be a messy you know it's going to be a messy situation. Um, but again, I think this is, I, I'm not defending Giuliani. I've already made my point there, but I think this is why he's being allowed to play hardball as much because like I said, they're being closed out. But having said that, that may be playing in the Democrats' hands too. Does that make well, sense? Yeah. And I was just going to say, I agree. I agree with you in that, uh, this gives Giuliani a I lot say, of data, I say a lot thing, of latitude. What I would do if I, if I were Trump, what I would do is take Giuliani off when I can't do this immediately because there's there's a time thing, I would put Trey Gowdy in as leading my charge for my for for my uh, to def, to defend me. If I if I were Trump, take Giuliani Giuliani off and put Gowdy in. Gowdy Trey Gowdy has a very good record of of walking the you know walking the line and stuff. And he's a good prosecutor. He would be a better advocate. You know, I don't know about you, but every time I see Giuliani, he he seems sleazy to me always. Uh, yeah, he's seemed that way since 9-11 That's, to me. Well, but long before that, people forget that, that you know, if it wasn't, 9-11 was what he was remembered for fondly, but, but and, he, and he stood up then. I'll give him that. But the thing is, people forget that was what, you know, you can look into both his personal life and his public life before that, and he is sleazy. Yeah. Trump would do well to let Trey Gowdy lead the way, and I think he may. Um, he's got either way. Just as a politician, he's got to distance himself from Giuliani. Think, I actually, I, yeah, I actually do think Trump will be in the clear if the if the if the stuff comes out. But I do, I don't think he's he's, you know, I don't think he does himself well by associating with Giuliani. I don't think anybody does. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to catch us back here every Sunday at, or I'm sorry, every Saturday. It's Saturday. Sorry about that. Every Saturday at noon central for a brand spanking new episode from the Crow's Nest. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kelly J. Lewis with Thomas Ward III and Dr. Kevin Crow. Have yourself a great weekend, everyone.